Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on FPL managers? Welcome to a new video from Fantasy Football Scout. It's game week nine time and we're recovering from a hectic game week eight with plenty of high profile benchings. And we've had some some red arrows apiece, me and Rob, but we've still got players to play, don't we, Rob? We've got a couple of players from Arsenal from me, a couple of players from Palace for you. So there's green arrow hope for both of us. How are you doing, mate? I'm not too bad. How how are you doing? Still bunged up with cold, but yeah, it's not I'm going not away. <laughs> I'm just oh, do you know what? The worst thing I did, Ted, was chat to you about sun before you started because I was in such a good mood and I was like, oh, we're gonna have to talk about the sun situation here, and it's already it's already wound me up. But but apart from that, it's it's fine. I've got a small red arrow, um, but I said last week I, I'm thinking Palace are gonna do Arsenal. And I know some people in the chat, when I look back at the comments, were not uh, agreeing with <laughs> with that. Um, I would be surprised. Fine, but, I would I would but, be surprised if Palace get a result against yeah. Arsenal. But I think Arsenal go in probably favourites. But I mean, it, anything can happen in that game. I think. Mm. So we'll have but to see. Remember a few years ago when Palace were amazing away from home. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do, yeah, the, yeah, away from home. But the, I'm honestly, I'm genuinely still. I know my rank is like 1.1 or 1.2 million or whatever. I'm still looking at points, and I still know I'm like, uh, actually, what are you on at the minute? So uh, it's up on the screen for this game week. Yeah, I'm at 50 points at the moment, and you're at 47. We'll have a look at our results in a minute. So you're what 22 ahead of me? Yeah, 22. I'm at 495. You're 473. So I mean, there's there's still you know enough to yeah. to get back on track i think that the safety score for this week i was four off it and you were about six off it or something so i've um, still got two lads left a clean sheet and a exactly like a double digit haul and uh exactly so we'll fingers crossed for those green arrows let's go straight on and, and have a look at your team um in game week eight, 47, so that's 51 with a minus four. And you had a bit of sun, whoa. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have fallen uh, into this. And it's just, uh, I thought you just got dealt a bad hand, mate. You couldn't have done anything yeah. else. And, uh, you know, commiserations, but what did you say it was? 12 that's point it. deficit because of yeah, that. Yeah, because um, I did, so I was, I said last week, my plan was to roll a transfer and that happened all the way through until my own stream on my own channel on Friday. And then boom, Rudiger out. And I thought, all right, that's okay because I've got Livermento on my bench. Rafinha might play. Gallagher's there. Brownhill play. And then boom, Sun tested 
positive for COVID. He's definitely out for Newcastle. We're missing two to three games. So Rudiger being out with an unknown length of period and Hyunming Son being supposedly out for two to three games. And this wasn't like some account with 200 followers or something. These were like big accounts connected to Spurs and bigger in the know accounts and also big FPL accounts all saying like, he's out, he's out, he's out. Uh, and I thought, you know, I risk it with the likes of Christensen and DS and Cancelo play. I know Man City could rotate and stuff. And I didn't have Trent, had Rudiger. So I went Trent in for Rudiger and uh, Mount in for Sun. Because yeah. you don't, I, my other option was going for Mares and James. A lot of people went for James, but I still, without Rudiger and some of the players, I wasn't that into Chelsea's defense at the minute. I didn't want to jump into to James. And also, he's not back yet. I had a feeling he, he wasn't 100%. Um, I don't necessarily think he was going to walk straight back into the side because of the injury. So oh, you, uh, you yeah, made the right. I went for Trent. You made the right yeah, call for, for that, but obviously, uh, if I didn't, if I if I did nothing with Rudiger, Livermento comes off the bench with six points. Trent got six, so they cancel each other out. Mount didn't start again, so I know you've had Mount and you've been worried about it yourself, but I believe this was the time and his stats from previous seasons. And I thought now he's back in the side, but because he's after the international break and he's played for England, I think I'm so. The fixtures are so good, and his uh, we have the same feeling his link up with Lukaku. That I thought instead of going for James or another defender where they're rotating heavily this week, and I can wait a week or two to see if Reese James or Chilwell is going to be the way to go, get Trent back in first because obviously I was always going to get Trent back in uh, and go for Mount and go for a midfielder, defender, midfielder, striker from Chelsea with these fixtures coming up, uh, and then of course Mount gets one point, he comes off the bench for 25 minutes again. So, you know, he's played less than 90 minutes or just around 90 minutes of football in the last five game weeks. Yeah, it's really annoying as an amount owner, but we can't even get rid because uh, of the juicy, juicy, juicy fixtures. You know, I think it's Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley in the next three. Uh, So a lot of people will be looking to load up on Chelsea. And even if Mount... You know, he hasn't really had that many game minutes in recent matches. I think there's opportunity for Tuchel to tweak the formation, to tweak the stra- the strategy, and Mount probably does come in for the easier game. So I'm definitely not getting rid. Yeah, I, I, I think, again, I think you're right. I think we're both just unlucky. I think he'd been injured, and then there was an international break where he's played for England. And he gave a few players a rest. Like, look at the, the James didn't play. We had Chilwell. We have the, the back three was what? Aspilicueta, Saar, and Shalaba. And, and Christensen was yeah. in there. Like, so Christensen, uh, uh, I believe, plays three times out of five, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Saar and Shalaba going in that defense. Uh, I mean, it, it does worry me, actually, because Saar did look pretty decent. And, um, yeah, uh, I played fan tracks and Saar got a really, really decent score, which means his underlying performance was was pretty impressive. Uh, but watching him, the eye test, he was pretty good as well, which means that there's a lot of depth in that Chelsea squad defensively, even with the youngsters, which means oh. rotation could be rife. Christensen, as you say, probably plays three out of five. But even with Chilwell, you've got Alonso. I think probably Chilwell is starting to come to the forefront, probably nailing that starting 11. Reese James probably does come back in for that instead of Azpilicueta on that right wing back role. But then again, he's always got that nagging doubt that he could get 
left out one or two games in five. The same with, um, you know, with the other defenders. So that they call it too cool tombola, don't they? Instead of <laughs> pet roulette. I think yeah. if you buy if you buy a Chelsea defender, you've got to expect them to be not completely nailed. Uh, but still, I think at the moment, Chilwell was probably the most intriguing one. Uh, Reese James closely followed because he's fresh back from injury. But I think he does have that assist threat. Um, yeah, I th- and I think he is the, the the nailed right wing back. Like Chilwell looks like he's now in front as the left wing back, which I don't think is a surprise. But he's you always have Alonso in the back of your head. But you could argue Aspilicueta is in the back of your head there, but it feels like Aspilicueta would be in the the back three rather than the attacking wing back. Um, Yeah, his Elizola's less challenge in that situation. Yeah, his Chilwell. His lack of um, intent of getting forwards does mm. allow whoever plays in that left wing back role, whether it's Chilwell or Alonso, to completely bomb forward because then they have a back four if Azpilicueta stays back. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic changes when Reese James comes back in. If you've got Chilwell on the left and Reese James on the right, then potentially both can bomb forward. But we will see. Chelsea were lacking in attacking ideas, I thought. So I think they need Mount. I think they need Reese James to come back in uh, and hopefully they can blitz Norwich but an issue with that is Mount came on for the last 25 minutes and that's when Brentford absolutely hammered Chelsea which is worrying for a Mount owner to to sort of see that that switch just just going along in my defense Diaz I I can't believe it so obviously there's always an opportunity with any Man City player to get rotated so I thought right it's Diaz's turn it rarely happens he plays what eight games out of ten would you say but to, and they've got Champions League, and you're winning comfortably against Burnley. Why Pep Guardiola brings on his star centre back against Burnley, a team sort of notorious for being physical, for in the 72nd minute? It's Pep doing Pep things, mate. It's that, just honestly. That is just like you throw a kid on, <laughs> give, give give a youngster a chance. It's in the bag. You two nil up, but you you throw on your most important defender. In yeah. the seventy-second minute, instead of just giving him a full ninety-minute break, yeah, and of course that blocks my liver mental six points. But I'm also thinking of like from a, a managerial point of view that I just I, that astounded me. Yeah, I mean, it's the same with Jimenez for me. To be honest, um, you know, what was it? The ninetieth minute, he brought Jimenez on. Why? Eighty-eight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Mount was on the bench. Jimenez for you. Eighty-eight minutes, he comes on. Uh, so because you know, yeah. I've even got fifty-one minus four. I've got two players in my side here that that came on with, you know, 18 minutes and 25 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Salah captain, I think the whole world and their dog captain Salah this week. And what a sensational performance from him. Uh, Holding up all of our FPL scores this week, basically, and the defence. But uh, yeah, two two Palace players for you tonight. Hopefully, they they get some points for you, and you can that turns that red arrow into a green arrow. So fingers crossed for you. Let's move on and talk about how I got on in game week eight. Fifty points, um, a, a back four, not intended, but Rafinha was out uh, as per um, everyone's team, presumably. Liveramento came in and earned a clean sheet, which re- which re- which was refreshing. The original intention was to uh, remove Semedo and bring in Alexander-Arnold, but instead, because I had a Rudiger injury, I had to take Rudiger out and put Alexander-Arnold in. So that cost me five points because uh, a Chelsea clean sheet would have propped up that Semedo points. Uh, I think Semedo probably moves to either Chilwell or Reese James for me this week, uh, but we'll come to that at the end. 
Uh, Mount disappointing once again. Saka and Ramsdale to play for me tonight. Uh, depends on that result. It's literally VVU, isn't it? It like, is, yeah. <laughs> you got two Arsenal, I've got two pals. This could, this could either make me catch up with you or oh, you no. pull further away. Yeah, I mean, if if one if Gallagher hauls and Palace keep clean sheet, Palace and yeah, Gallagher's involved with both. Yeah, hundred percent. But it equally could go the other way because Saka. Yeah, ifs and buts. I like yeah. candy and Christmas will be every day. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 an interesting one. I, I'm pretty happy with my team actually going forward. So I look at them with the bus team um, because Livermento is a really decent sub player, and yeah. so is Ben White. But Rafini mm-hmm. comes back in next week, and it, it all looks a little bit more rosy. Um, Mason Mount is probably the only one that I'm. I'm going, well, actually, no, that's not true because Antonio looks, you know, he, he's, his stats are excellent, but the fixture's coming up and Tony is getting some decent fixtures from game week 10. It does make it tempting to move Antonio to Tony uh, because him and I still have some decent fixtures. So that is another move I'm potentially eyeing up uh, next week, not this week, but we'll see. We'll see. I think the, the team's in relatively good shape, but I feel... I'm a little bit frustrated at the moment because I seem to be just treading water at this yeah. half a million rank um, half a million rank mark, and yeah. I, I can't make any headway. And I, I think I, I don't want to fall into the trap of playing too adventurously because then it can either go forwards or backwards. I could easily end up with a million rank next week. Um, I just need to be calm and wait for my opportunities. I think. But yes, um, what do you think of the team? Is it? Is it something that you... What What are the holes in my team, Rob? Well, we're both... Four, I know yours is accidental, but we're both 4-3-3. Four, three, three. I actually... Um, I've said before about being, like, really big at the back, um, but I, I said last week, Livermento's the key. You got If you got him for 4, 4.1... I think... Has he gone up to 4.3 now? Still think his value in the fixtures coming up for 4.3 million. Uh, if you can go for a, a good 4 at the back, like... Trent to City and a Chelsea or two Chelsea and a City, whichever way you want to do it. And I've played around with like Antonio, Tony and another budget striker. And in the midfield, you could have like Salah, Son, and you might be able to wiggle stuff around for like a KDB or like a Bruno, like have a power three. Um, it's so interesting. That's something I've been yeah. looking at. It's this like, balance between bench depth, like how much, how many, how many, millions do we have on our bench and having the ideal starting 11 and that's the difficulty because i think if i play 343 most weeks which is my intention livermento probably doesn't get a look in until there are some injuries or some absentees through uh, like rafinha was um, coming back from international duty so it's an interesting one um son does look appealing from game week 12 doesn't he with some decent fixtures for spurs anytime uh, he's like the most clinical player in the last five years or something ridiculous i think skybet did that stat but just going as well with the five defenders i keep talking about with some bench depth it's like so if you if you take a punt and i've got cancello trent and james or chilwell in three of my five defenders they are more like midfielders so for me for the value of if they get rotated out and i've got a, a gallagher on my bench or a smith row on my bench or a Umbomo on my bench, for example. Like, I'll take the risk on a James, on a Chilwell, on an Alonso, on a Cancelo, uh, because I know I've got some depth there. So I'm still pushing towards that. I'm just unfortunate that 
you know, before my wild card, Trent gets injured. And then after my wild card, Rudiger's got injured. And yeah. I'm just, I, I, I can't find myself to get there. But Livermento, um, when do we start taking that seriously? And just with the fixtures coming up for Southampton, when do we start playing him? Burnley, yeah. Watford, Villa, Norwich, the next four. Yeah, we'll have a look at the Saints fixtures. Um, actually, no, they're not on the fixtures, but I think they are decent fixtures anyway. But I, it's really tricky because uh, I guess you could use it as an excuse to downgrade a premium defender and then upgrade one of your midfielders to the likes of Son going forward. So that's definitely an option you have on the table. But for me, Livermento staying on the bench has a decent first sub for a while, I'm afraid. But it is what it is. Um, mm. Let's move on and talk about some of the stats. We'll, we'll start with a fixture ticker. Um, we've got... Um, actually, no, this is the wrong one. <laughs> I didn't change the fixtures. Outrageous. Let's go back to your, let's go back to my team to talk about it because, and then I'll fix that. Um, I'll tell you what, as you're fixing that, do you want me to read you? Now, this is something I found on Twitter that is horrifying about Lukaku. So I think you got, uh, four points from your strikers. Three point, you got two, three, four. You got four from your strikers, and I got five from my three strikers. So for people thinking about Lukaku, one, I'm not recommended selling before Norwich. Of course I'm not. He has blanked the last four. He scored three goals. He had a good start. But if you're looking at Lukaku, right, yeah. I, Lukaku isn't the problem. The formation is. And yeah. similar to how we see the middle forward of Liverpool and the middle forward of Man City. I know that you've got Firmino at Liverpool and you used to have Jesus at Man City, but it switches around, right? But it's about the problem with that position, especially if it doesn't get service. Let me read you now. I'll try and do it as quickly as I can. This was what I found from, on Twitter from someone called Andrew Gower and he got it from Transfer Market, the website, right? Premier League goals scored by Chelsea's starting striker that middle front man for Chelsea in every Tuchel game old first game of Tuchel to now right how many so every number is a game of Tuchel and how many goals that key striker has scored right okay zero 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 one zero one two zero 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 one zero Two zero 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 zero. I was worried that you started talking in binary code there, but um, <laughs> yeah, that, that is so, that is so astounding. To, 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 well, people are looking at Lukaku and thinking, "What is going on?" And and I said to you a couple of weeks ago when I watched the game, and he did nothing and almost scored a hat trick, and uh, the chances were limited by Brentford, which I think is fair play to Brentford, by the way. But just reading out that list of how many goals that position, I know the player has changed to Lukaku, but. Lukaku's there now and is it's 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 a huge problem maybe that it's not the the spearhead of the attack that that, that, that we think it is I think that's it's, why there's, people there's going a burner this week because uh, and, the, and the previous week because it feels as though I'm not getting anything like where's the value I'm getting for 11.7 million I, it'd be madness to sell him before Norwich yeah of course, I just suggest yeah. that but if, if I didn't have Lukaku now, what has he done to make me get him? I think it's just the reputation that he has over Werner. Um, I mean, the numbers that you've quoted there, 
Werner was striker for most of those games, I'd yes. say. And obviously he's suffering from a massive conversion difficulty. Uh, and I mean, Lukaku hasn't proven that he's anything different in recent games. He's blanked the last four, for example. Yep. Um, it's just his reputation. We, we know that he can score goals and we know that he's a bit of a flat track bully. He certainly was for Everton. So against Norwich, against Newcastle and Burnley, there's no reason why he can't start firing. Um, I think Werner has a little bit something more fundamental about his conversion. So uh, I don't think we should be worrying too much. And I think yeah. people should still be looking to bring in Lukaku. Um, I did manage to fix, fix the fixtures. So we've got um, game weeks 9 to 14 now and Leeds are top of the ticker. So Rafinha owners should be pretty happy about keeping um, and I, I guess Leeds have been under, underperforming a little bit because they've been um, a lack of personnel issues. Um, sorry, not lack of personnel issues, lack of personnel. Um, their defence has been depleted. Bamford's been injured, uh, plenty of other issues as well. So hopefully they can get some players back for this run of games. But Rafinha looks decent to keep because, uh, you know, Wolves, Norwich, Brighton and Palace in the next six, along with Leicester and Spurs. And Spurs who have, who haven't exactly been too solid at the back either. So I think Leeds... if. if I'm not sure there are many other players you can buy from from Leeds that make sense other than Rafinha, so it's mm. it's a bit of a it's a bit of a boring one to think about really. But yeah. if you've got Rafinha, you'll be happy. Uh, Brentford are the interesting one. I think from game week ten, you've got the three prime fixtures: Burnley, Norwich, and Newcastle. And I think a lot of people will be loading up on them on Buomo and. Um, and Tony, I think probably Tony edges it for me slightly for some reason, uh, even and, though and, and, I, and, I don't, and I don't know why. People say talisman. People say penalties. Is it? Is it six times? Is it? Is it the woodwork this season? <laughs> I think, yeah, is it six? That just shows that most of his efforts are off target. You remember that shots um, graphic I did last week? Yeah, and it was all red for him. It was he... all red. <laughs> Does woodwork come under green or red in that chart? A, a woodwork would be off target. So really, I I thought hitting the the woodwork is on target. No, because on target would mean that you have to test the keeper. It either right. goes in or it doesn't. Oh well, there you go. If that included as an on target, it'd be the most clinical, <laughs> like almost one of the most clinical players, most accurate players in the in the Premier League. If we if we change that post yeah. to green over red. It's difficult to digest whether that's a good or a bad thing. I'm not even, I'm not really sure. It, it does show that he's getting in the right positions and he's shooting fairly close to goal. But can he adjust? I, I would be going Umbuomo. Um, are we just going to call it Umbuomo? I think it's Umbuomo. I, I call it Umbuomo all the time, Umbuomo. But I just think for his price, I believe he, you know, take it with a pinch of salt with the price rise predictions. But it's said that he's going up tonight. Uh, but 5.5, if he goes up 5.6 million, he's out of position. He's obviously the most attacking player, like most forward player for, for Brentford. Um, I went for Tony uh, and, and, I, and I went for Gallagher. I went for Gallagher and Tony over, over Mbwemo and someone slightly higher than Tony. I would, someone said it in the chat before we, we started the streaming about who they'd recommend Tony Mbwemo and, and I have to go for, for Mbwemo. That's com um, that's completely fair enough, and I suppose that choice can be dict dictated about who you want to get rid of, whether it's a midfielder or yes. whether it's a forward. So yeah. that choice might be taken out of your hands. I think both are decent options at the end best, of the day. Best XG non penalty under seven million is Umbomo. Yeah, and best XGI under seven million is Tony. Nice. I mean, they, 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 they go. So. <laughs> 
There you go. Uh, yeah, Tony, we've seen in previous charts, a lot of big charts created Tony. So he's also yeah. being the provider, um, which isn't a bad thing for a striker. We've seen Jimenez do it for multiple years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Either are good and it will dictate from which player you want to get rid of. So that's completely fair. Let's move on from Brentford. Uh, Chelsea next on the list with those three excellent fixtures. Exactly the same for Brentford uh, just a week earlier. So we've got Norwich, Newcastle and Burnley. uh, And you can't get better than that, really. Um, So uh, maybe if Burnley was Watford. (laughs) Watford Well, they've got Watford in week 14 as well. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's on the list. Doubling or trebling up on Chelsea players. This is why I went for Mount, because I've got the bench. It's just unfortunate that Mount, it's likely that he comes on. But that's why I thought go attacking and having that Mount-Lukaku double up up front rather than defence, because those three fixtures, if, if they can't score minimum two goals in each of those games, I think that's a problem. I think I, I've said since like, before the season or game week two or whatever, when I said, I think Chelsea could win the title. And I know they say like goals win games, but defenses win titles, which I get, but you got to be smashing those teams. You have to to be. Yeah, you have to be. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if Tuchel just went slightly more defensive against Brentford because Brentford scored three against Liverpool. Um, you know, he'd be he'd be clued up to that that they're a fairly attacking side. So, uh, and they're proven it so far this this season. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised once the once the fixtures ease up as they do now that he just frees up that that's that formation a little bit more. Bring in James, bring in Mount. That's the service that Lukaku needs, and then he'll get some goals. That's why I don't think Lukaku's been terrible or super wasteful. He's just had he's off scraps. Yeah, no service. Yeah, so yeah. Fingers crossed that will improve. Um, Wolves next on the list. And I think, so, you know, Jimenez's ownership has been on the up recently. Um, no sort of red fixtures in that next six. Leeds, Everton, Palace, West Ham, Norwich and Burnley. So very decent, consistent fixtures for Jimenez to um, access. I think Hoang is like a, a fairly uh, newish opportunity for people to uh, to excess um, at 5.5 million I think he is he might have gone up to 5.6 now but um, he's still a decent option I think he's getting played every week as well so uh, fingers crossed Wolves can what's your what's your view on the Wolves defense at the moment because they seem to be leaking a few more goals recently Uh, well they are the second best team for minutes per minutes per big chance conceded so I was actually going to talk to you about the fact that you still got Semedo who Arguably, yeah, he's a bit wasteful in that final third. And I know that they've conceded a couple of goals against Villa, but in terms of how many big chances they concede, um, they're second best still. Um, and minutes per XG conceded, they're second best. Man City's the best. Um, and Wolves yep. are second best. So we'll come to inside the box isn't, isn't too bad. So we'll come to look at defense stats uh, next up, actually. But um, yeah, it's an interesting one because <laughs> two Wolves defenders scored against Villa, uh, who are next on the fixture ticker, actually. Cody. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot I'm of people... I'm out of this season. 
I know, it, it, and what a, what a game week to score as well, because presumably everyone's using their benches this week through some of the high-profile benchings. So that maybe would have got Connor Cody's points if they put him on the bench. Uh, but it's just pity. We're like, you owned him previously, don't now. But it's what could have been uh, at the end of the day. But I think Wolves, as you say, their defensive solidity is, is still good. And with yeah. those fixtures, there's no reason why they can't... Um, and- the second for big chances conceded as well. So it's not even just like XG and bit minutes per big chance, but big chances themselves, they're, they're yeah. second best. So... Oh, it, was a, it was a decent game between Wolves and Villa, wasn't it? Does, does, anyone, oh, from, yeah. does anyone from Villa um, catch your eye a little bit? Does, is Danny Ings no, back on the menu? No, we, we talked about this last week and we both kind of agreed that there's no one really like... So speaking of when we go on to talk about defenders later, that that attack, um, Cash has the most amount of penalty area touches for defenders yeah. in the, so far this season. So, but then we talked about, and I just feel 5.1 million for Cash or 5 million-ish for a Villa defender is, is too much for me. There's no one in midfield. Like, McGinn at 5.8, yeah, he's just scored a goal, but... He scored two all season, so I'm not going to bring in McGinn. Uh, and then up front, you've got Watkins and Ings, but 7.8 million for, for Ings. Yeah. That's his first goal since game week two. Yeah. It's it not exactly screaming form to me to say Villa, you know, I've got Tony Antonio Lukaku. Someone's got to walk in here and kick one of those boys out, and and I don't think it's a Villa player. I think what they're do, what they're suffering from, is they were really good last season, and therefore FPL have bumped up their prices a little bit uh, in FPL. Yeah. So you were saying Matty Cash is five point one. If he was four point five, I think he would be worth worth a consideration. For sure. Yeah, sure. so I, and Martinez is five point five. He becomes unaccessible. Danny Ings is quite expensive, but I think out of all of them, I think Ings is probably the one that could have a run of form, and we have to consider him. But yeah, I, I can't see it elsewhere. Uh, and Burnley, I think, are off the charts as well. Uh, sorry, off the off the menu as well. I, I, who are next on the fixture ticker, which is why I mentioned them. So yeah, it's not really worth considering. Let's move on to talk about defense uh, ability. We we mentioned. Wolves there. Uh, we've got this chart here, which is small chances conceded across the bottom. Um, so furthest to the right means that teams are conceding a lot of the difficult efforts from outside the box, for example, uh, and big chances conceded across uh, the top. So further to the top, um, teams are conceding more uh easy efforts, more clear-cut opportunities. And we've got Newcastle, Watford and Norwich, as you would expect, top right, the worst of the bunch. And these are the teams we definitely have to look to target uh, with captaincy, with our attacking players and our FPL teams. But I think that's fairly intuitive, right, For just from watching those three those three teams. They've seen the most leaky at the back, and I think the stats completely demonstrate that. Um yeah. Conversely, we've got Man City, best of the bunch, uh, bottom left, conceding hardly any chances at all. Uh, Best for small chances conceded, best for big chances conceded. Closely followed by Liverpool, uh, Wolves, as as you mentioned, and Brighton. So Brighton have been fairly decent. The problem with Brighton is that they they typically just underperform in both areas, which which is unfortunate. But this is consistent across multiple seasons. The thing that really surprises me here, Rob, is Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah, it sticks out, doesn't it? It does. Massively. We're all looking at how good Chelsea are in the clean sheets and 
we, you know, we've all got City defenders and, and Chelsea defenders and probably Trent, right? Um, we've talked about Wolves, Brighton, Brentford defensively. They're up there in the stats. They're doing really well. But to see Chelsea, basically, layman's terms, if you're top right, you're not doing very good in defence, right? <laughs> yeah. no, that's the easiest way to put it, right? Top right, bad. Bottom left, good. Yes. And the fact that Chelsea is 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 budging up to that top right is is well surprising. So, really. I mean, the interesting thing here, let's add another layer to this. Chelsea are top right, but the numbers in the middle, in their little blue circle, that's the number of big goals conceded, that's the number of small goals conceded. In effect, that's the number of goals they've conceded. And if you compare those numbers to the teams around them in that top right area... It's significantly lower than any yeah. other team, which means that Mendy has bailed them out uh, on more than one occasion, and that was completely evident against Brentford. He was a uh, he was arguably man of the match, wasn't who, he? Who was it off the line? Was it Chalabar? Yeah, Chalabar. Yeah, he was so Chalabar off the line as well, right? He yeah. was so like laissez-faire about it as well. He just sauntered back and then cleared it off the line. It was you know it was a good Second bit of defending. Man of the match out of eight games, two man of the matches for Chelsea has been the goalkeeper. Yeah. Villa and Brentford, which yeah. again, that's worrying. So if that's worried that your goalkeeper is man of the match against Brentford, I'm not trying to be mean against Villa and Brentford, but if your goal, if you're supposed to be a title contender and your goalkeeper is getting a man of, man of the match in those games, and then incredibly they've conceded three goals all season, the same as Man City. Yeah, no, it's it, it's mental. Clearly, Mendy is very talented. And when we're looking at the go- the goalkeeper charts from the previous weeks, we have seen Mendy top right for saves and xG prevented. So it's clearly backing up that he's he's proving himself actually not bad value at maybe six million, um, especially as he's not going to get rotated as much as the um, uh, the rest of the Chelsea defense. Maybe Kepa gets a, a game, uh, a sympathy game once in a while, but. Yeah. Uh, with this form, I just don't see Mendy getting dropped. So, but I just can't face spending six million on a goalkeeper. I, I don't know. That was my that was a choice I was facing on my wild card. It was the the decision that I made. Instead, I went I went for two Chelsea defenders. I wanted the attacking threat of like Rudiger or def, def solidity because five million Christensen I was going to get, and then it was between Rudiger and uh, Mendy, and I took the cheaper option exactly like christensen at five million is really decent value and then you have potentially the left wing backs and the right wing backs who almost play as wingers or strikers sometimes in the case of chilwell or alonso so it seems like there's the value is is um, elsewhere but potentially mendy is also value so it is a bit of a bit of a difficult one to digest but um chelsea are a bit of an enigma at the moment I, i wouldn't be surprised if they start uh, leaking a few goals here and there, but which the is fi- the reason I didn't go for James as well. The fact that Rudiger's out for an unknown period of time, I don't think it, it's going to be too long. It seems like a muscle strain, but they were so lucky against Villa and they were so, so lucky against Brentford. The fact that they've only conceded three goals, like at the start of the season when Liverpool were keeping clean sheets and they were really lucky to do so. So I didn't want, I didn't fancy don't like Man City, bottom left, three goals conceded. That is. A deserved like that they're showing they are that good defensively um even yeah. liverpool to an extent now are showing that they're they're they're, they're that solid chelsea i can see leaking goals Which yeah i mean brings them out their shell a little bit because like i'm saying like they're not 
they're not feeding Lukaku. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's working because the European champions in the top of the league. So they must be doing something right. Um, but I do I, think a little bit of fortune is, is, yes, is on their side. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think they've had a little bit of fortune. I think these stats are also a little bit skewed about the their opponents they've had in the last six. They've played some tough opponents. Therefore, they've probably conceded more shots than they they usually would. So with the with a good run of fixtures coming up, they're probably going to revert back to conceding fewer shots in total. And we've seen last season that they were close to Man City in terms of number of chances conceded. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do revert back and then Mendy becomes a worse option and then they may, might even continue to have a clean sheet. So we, I think take these stats with a pinch of salt, but it certainly does describe what we've seen in games. Let's but move the on next from... three is Norwich, Newcastle and Burnley. So exactly, if yeah. you were worried before, look to the future and look at those three games and that screams three clean sheets. Yeah, arguably it does. Um, so let's move on from Chelsea because we've, we've dwelled on them quite a lot. Um, we've got Man United up there and that doesn't really surprise me. A lot of uh, memes or gifs going around about how badly Harry Maguire um, defended mm. against Leicester. Uh, and obviously poor, poor. It, it was poor. Um, but uh, he was fresh back from injuries. I, I don't want to make excuses for him, but they've got Liverpool next. Do we see Man United struggling against Liverpool in sensational form? Oh, Liverpool are looking back towards what they were when they were champions or neck and neck with Man City. Um, and yeah, and, and again, I don't want to put the boot in on Watford here, but they were, that could have been a cricket score because it, it was 5 0 in the end, but that's, and Watford grew into the game, but they only grew into the game because Liverpool took their foot off the gas, right? If Liverpool yeah. kept playing like they did the first 45 minutes for the full 90, big trouble for Watford would have been huge trouble. Yeah, I mean, so, Watford, Watford, Watford defended very, um, Lackadaisically. We'll, we'll talk about this later, but at the minute, uh, Salah's my captain. But we'll talk yeah. about that later. We'll talk about that later because I actually we're gonna we're gonna argue about that one. Um, <laughs> I, I can see it from both angles, to be honest. But um, yeah, we'll come to that later on. Um, the other ones on this chart, I think Brentford. You know, they've got some decent stats. Like, how many people own Brentford defenders? I mean, you could you could have Raya in goal. I suppose he's probably the best way into it, but. They, they seem like very decent. Like that 0.33 big big goals conceded above Brentford name. Compare that to the number of big chances they've conceded, which is about 1.7. That is, a, you know, thinking about conversion, big chance conversion is about 50%. So the fact that Riot is stopping more, many, much more than 50% of those big chances means that he must be a sensational goalkeeper to prevent those big chances. And it, remember that Jota chance when they were playing Liverpool? Jota was like six yards out and he... Yeah. Raya with that sensational save. So that's probably just yeah, showing... I, know I sold him. Yeah, you don't have to rub it into it. It's fine, <laughs> mate. Right. Oh, mate. It's going to become a theme, isn't it? You're selling excellent players. Everyone should just buy who I sell and then everyone <laughs> will do a lot better than me. But I'll tell you now, Brentford are the easily the most superior side in the air. Oh, love that. Have you got some stats? And uh, Tony's number one for the aerial threat. Decent. So, so there you go. Uh, but I made a shout out to a couple of guys in my community, like like Shway. He uh, he started the season with Pinnock. 
because he said he'd seen him before and seen preseason. He's always like, oh, attacking fullback. And I think did Pinnock double digit haul against Arsenal first game of the season, something like that. He he, I think he scored a goal as well, didn't he? Um, in yeah, he got eleven points, assist, and a clean sheet first game of the season, and two bonus. So you know, people have been doing it, and they are. I don't want to say the Villa of last year because I think they're even potentially better. The value is there for 4.5 million. If people want to go three at the back and Livermento's on the bench and they want another 4.5 or to rotate, for, is it game week 10? The fixtures are easy. Yeah. Fix, yeah. For game week 10, Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle. Um, again, screaming clean sheets. And if I think the problem with Brentford is when they're going to play the easier teams, they need to put them to the sword. Like we know how solid they are defensively and how they can counter and how they can push. But like we saw against Chelsea, sometimes they can't break through. And when they're against a team that they should be beating because they're in bad form, that's when they might actually uh, come undone because uh, they lost at home to Brighton 1-0, which I think they would have been disappointed. So just coming up against teams where maybe they, they feel they're in the better form, that's when I think we'll see yeah. what they're really made of. I think they're great against big teams. I'm interested to see how they're going to approach the games where, you know, it's against Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle, where in our heads now we're thinking Brentford are the better side currently. So interesting to see. I, I wish I had gone uh, a Brentford defender over Ben White. Ben White's on my bench, but regardless, like I think having... Ramsdale and Saka already. I think Ben White was a bit overkill. But um, I think, you know, Brentford defenders are typically about 4.5 million. And if they're going to sit on my bench anyway, then... But I think just looking at Arsenal and comparing them to Brentford's numbers, I think Brentford are a better, better shout for clean sheets. So we'll have to see. Let's move on to talk about defenders. Um, and we've got a defender chart uh, up here, which is basically just expected assists across the bottom versus expected goals across the top. And um, we've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, uh, as per usual, far out to the right. Uh, he's obviously excellent for creating chances. He does that uh, a lot through corners, it has to be said. Um, but he's also, you know, I, I think it, it goes without saying that he's excellent value at 7.5. There's a lot, that, a lot of people that would say he's not essential because he doesn't consistently earn assists as he did maybe a couple of years ago when Robertson and... Alexander Arnold would taking it in turns to assist. Um, I think we need to see a run of form for him to assist more. He was unlucky though. He did a beautiful ball through to Salah, and Salah was one on one, and he took a dodgy touch. Yeah, that's an assist that should have been there, and he yeah, almost scored just before he got taken off. So, yeah, people were worried about not having Trent going into the game, thinking it could be that Leicester big hole situation. Yeah. And um, he, he almost got it. Like, just small margins like that just make the, make it, make the season. But he's so deadly. And what, what do you think, then, about the matchup between him and Luke Shaw? Because Luke Shaw's the attacking defender for Manchester United. You can argue Robertson is as well, but Trent is the more attacking defender for Liverpool. Yeah. Do you think this is going to be like them clashing? Do you think it just means that Trent is going to get space in behind Shaw and Shaw's going to get space in behind Trent? Because Trent's going to have space in that hole, which he's so good at when he, he dinks it and swings it into the box. Yeah. I, I think that's, that is going to be a really interesting matchup for me. I don't think it Shaw particularly, yeah, I don't think it particularly matters 
what the matchup is for Trent because he doesn't really look to take you know one on ones with the opposing mm. left back. He will yeah. he will look to get space in front of and then cross it in or play a one two or whatever or feed in Salah or feed in the runner in behind. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's a massive issue, even though Shaw is fairly decent. But I think you know, you, you mentioned Robertson and Shaw, both of those players who were fairly decent for attacking numbers have um, regressed a little bit. They have they've got worse. They're not even on this chart, which is which is Robertson's a big surprise. Yeah, he's been a bit off with that injury, hasn't he? He has been, and and that has allowed Trent to uh, monopolise basically all of the attacking threat from the defensive line, uh, other than Van Dyke from from set pieces, for example. Um, I, I mentioned before before the season started about Van Dyke. The, the one of the biggest thing Liverpool missed wasn't his defensive presence; it's his its ability to get the ball and spray it diagonally to the yeah. wings. Either yeah. Trent bombing it or Robertson bombing it all all the way to to Mane or Salah. Um, and having him back, you see it, the, the out balls, Matip tries it sometimes as well. That's a huge thing that they missed to spread the ball. And that's why last season it felt like Liverpool at times looked so slow, so lethargic, because they weren't getting the ball and pinging it straight out there because Van Dyke's got that ability. But I think what just just the last thing I'll say about Trent is I think he's going to find the half spaces because Manchester United have a huge gaping problem with their midfielders. And it's why they play Fred and McTomney and why Pogba is a problem. Because wherever you put him, I think he's second best in that team. Left wingers, I don't think he's United's best left winger. Centre mid, I think he lets them down because those two centre mids protect the back line. But I can see that with the formation that United are playing and why Ronaldo wasn't the best idea to sign him was I think Trent's going to get space not on the wing, but just on the inside and become more of a threat. I would not I would genuinely be not surprised at all if we see Liverpool concede, which I think is more than possible, but I'd be really surprised if we don't see at least a couple of big chances created from Trent, let alone a potential assist. Yeah, it's become sort of expected from Trent that he normally does do a couple of big chances or creates a couple of big chances in a match. But yeah, going back to what you're saying about Man United, it's interesting because there's a lot of disgruntlement at Man United. They've, they've had a couple of poor results and um, Ollie might be tempted to mix it up a little bit. He might put Rashford in on that left wing. Now he's back. He might mix up another couple of players. Who knows? But as you say, the, the wingers and Bruno Fernandes, they're not exactly defensive players. So, He's going to have to play that double pivot. And it really depends on that, how much space Liverpool have in, in behind. But yeah, I, I really, I don't see Liverpool not getting a result at United, it seems, certainly on form. But you never know. It's a, it's sort of a derby, isn't it? It's a very, very big rivalry. Yeah, it always throws a little bit of the yeah. stats out the window when exactly. it's a, a, a big game. Like, yeah, exactly. Like so they might be pumped up for it, but I mean... The way Liverpool look right now and and how lacklustre United look. I mean, the the strangest thing is, though, United created the most chances this this weekend and it didn't feel like it. Mm. Is that down to Bruno Fernandes, maybe? Bruno Fernandes with eight the most this this game week. But when I was watching and, and looking back at the highlights, it didn't feel like United particularly were... Were, were that creative I, I, didn't, I don't i don't even know ronaldo was playing <laughs> okay i never even saw him but 
Uh, Leicester with the most shots, 22. Liverpool with second. So conceding the most amount of shots and they're about to face Salah, Mane and probably Firmino uh, off the back of a hat-trick. I think that is... Um, that's worrying. But like I say, United could easily get a goal. Bruno with eight uh, chances created. United with the most overall chances created for, for, for this game week until Gallagher overtakes Bruno Fernandes tonight when he's going to create nine chances. Um, <laughs> come on, Gallagher. Uh, then I think... But here's another thing. It's not just a derby. How many times do we see these big games? Now, fortunately, Liverpool and Man City threw that out the window when they played but take, for example, Liverpool and Chelsea. Sometimes these big games just become this nil-nil, one-nil, one-one situation where it's just like United are going to sit and try and counter and Liverpool are going to dominate possession and it's just going to be one of those games. But if Liverpool break through early... I don't see it. Uh, I don't see it. I think even if Man United sat for some reason, I don't think they would even be able to... Hold it with with yeah, the pressure exactly. So not with how Salah is right now. I mean, arguably, would you say on form, he's the best player in the world right now? A lot of people are on saying form? that. A lot, when you're watching he, it on TV, yeah, a lot of pundits are saying that he is, and I, I think I don't think there's anything to dispute that Messi's not really I'm doing not anything. The best of all time, or the best yeah. in the last two years, or the whole season, or whatever. But this season, the first eight games of across the the the, the leagues and stuff, I don't think there's a better player than. The, the most seller right now. Exactly. Well, I, I, I think it goes about saying none of us are looking to bring in Man United defenders. They're not on this chart. They're not in the best defensive uh, for it, for attacking potential and their fixtures are getting really bad. So uh, regardless, not looking at Man United defence. Uh, let's talk about another some other players on this chart. We've got Chilwer up there at the top left um, along with Cancelo and they seem to be the two main um buddies for Alexander Arnold in that back three, the best back three. I think that's what I'm looking to to get to with Semedo to Chilwell have have pretty much the exact funds to do that this week. So I think Alexander Arnold Cancelo, Chilwell is a decent back three. And if you need to supplement that you may as well either go for a Man City player or maybe some other cheap ones. But we've got Janssen and Pinnock there for Brentford. We were talking about Brentford solidity, so I think um either of those would be decent. Um Alonso's probably out of the out of the window now because his 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 mm. place has been lost potentially. Um, as Piliqueta there for Chelsea as well. If you fancy maybe some more solidity of starts because his versatility, whether he plays right wing back or not, he's probably going to tuck in and play right centre back. But then again, you lose that attacking threat. So uh, if you were adventurous, I think Chilwell is the most obvious one. Um, and we talk about cash and target, but they're not good value. Um, Liveramento's there, but he's not as good as the rest of them. But a 4.3, I don't think we really can complain that much. No. Um, and most people got him for cheaper, right? If they've already... It's probably like a 4 or 4.1. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, other than that, I don't think there are many standout attacking options. If I, I, think... I tell you what, we talked about him last week, and I don't want to put this in the same situation as oh, Pascal Gross. It's right? Cucurella, isn't it? No, no, oh, no, but he is still on fire. I do want to point... Is he, is, he's not even on the, the list here. No. But since I've pointed out uh, Cucurella, he's gone on and got... Um, what is it? Uh, nine points and five points. But no, it's not him. He's on the list. It's Matt Ritchie. No way. Do you know for expected assists for all players under 7 million, Matt Ritchie's number one? Wait, 
What? Oh, for under seven million. So under seven trend. million of play. Yeah, under seven million for all players. Matt Ritchie's number one, two point zero seven expected assists. What, including forwards and midfielders? That's what it says here. Crazy. Top, top, top of the top of the charts, and he's third overall. Overall, for chances created, it he's must joined be with through... Trent. He's it... joint with Trent on twenty-two. No one in their right mind is going to buy Matt Ritchie. And it's probably free corners and stuff, isn't it? I'm just telling you the numbers. You're (laughs) the stats, man. I'm just not changing anything here. It's it's right there in black and white to see. Matt Ritchie, 22 chances created. Trent Alexander-Arnold, 22 chances created. I'm just just telling you... just I think we need to treat numbers with context, though, don't we? And those big zeros in those in his bubble, which means <laughs> yeah. goals and I'm assists. Not, no, I'm not suggesting Matt Ritchie, but I'm just, yeah, I'm just really interested when it stuck out. I was like, what? Matt Ritchie, best expected assists of all players under 7 million in his joint yeah. second best for chances, joint most, second most chances created. Bruno out in, way out in front, by the way, Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, that doesn't um, surprise me. Yeah. Which... Ah, if he was cheaper and he's still on penalties, he's still a good option, not now because of the fixtures, but oof, I mean, he's still posting the numbers and he's still looking like good old Bruno, ticking along nicely. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Let's he's talk about, both. let's move on and talk about some attacking um, stuff. I'm bored good, of We can still now. talk about Matt Ritchie because of his No, I mean, you've, you've, <laughs> you've destroyed the defensive chat with Matt Ritchie. <laughs> so let's talk about attack. We've got um, teams attacking prowess up on the, on the, on the screen, um, which is small chances towards the right. That's the difficult efforts. And big chances towards the top. Um, those are the easy ones. Liverpool are just trouncing everyone's, like, by and far, like, the best team out there. Um, City closely followed, and then Man United close to that. So, I mean, probably that backs up what you were saying about best chances created, Rob, um, with Man United, but they, they're just not as good at converting. Although Man City, their conversion numbers in their bubbles aren't actually too much greater than Man United. I think Man United have struggled away from home a little bit. I think they've got six goals in four games, I think it is, as opposed to 10 goals in four at home. So there is a little bit of a disparity there. But um, yeah, they'll be at home for Liverpool, so... We'll, we'll see. Wolves are the bit interesting one. They've scored a lot of big chances, but not many. Um, sorry, they've had a lot of big chances, but not many small ones. So that's a bit of an, an interesting uniqueness. I'm not sure what's going on there. But um, Watford seem to be struggling in general. So does Spurs. That Spurs is an interesting one. Um, I mean, Harry Kane and Son do present themselves as decent options from game week 12. So hopefully that team prowess does improve. Uh, in the next few game weeks, but they haven't been scoring too too much uh, in the last few, so that probably does make sense. But what what this does um, say to me, Rob, is that there's a lot of teams bunched up in the middle, at uh, the bottom end, and there's not really many teams other than Liverpool, City and United pressing to close that gap, as West Ham did at the start of the season, as Villa did towards the end of last season as Leeds did for the most of last season we haven't seen that any of these teams bunch up which is probably why we're focusing on defense at the moment right so fingers crossed that changes going forwards but it does mean that we've got like a 
a smorgasbord of weird midfielders to choose from that are the highest scoring players like Decore and um, Damari Gray and Townsend and all of these players that just seem so counterintuitive. So it's a bit of an enigma at the moment. Um, well, we can talk about midfielders and forwards themselves going forwards, but what do you make of this? Does anything stand out to you? Uh, yeah, I think this is you know another great chart where it just puts it in simple terms that Liverpool is easily right now the best attacking side. And I was quite surprised to know that Man City and Man United have both scored the same amount of goals, 16. Wow. So 16 goals. And so um, so are Chelsea. So Chelsea, Man City and Man United have all scored 16 goals. All from, the same. Yeah, from different um, stats, presumably. So some have overperformed, some have underperformed. Uh, interestingly, just to, you know, I have to mention underperformance once per video, don't I? But Liverpool were massively underperforming in the first five game weeks of the season. They're now overperforming. So that shows there is a little bit of toing and froing. So we definitely can predict this. I'm going <laughs> I'm to press this. I'm going to shout this home till the cows come yeah. home. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure there's much else to talk about other than the fact that everyone's a bit rubbish at the moment going forwards. So hopefully yeah. that can change. Um, but let's move on and talk about the um, the midfielders and forwards themselves. We've got another chart, which is small attempts. That's shots and chances created combined, but the difficult ones across the bottom. So furthest to the right, that's Bruno Fernandes, uh, who's best for those. And then the big attempts, which are the shots and chances created, but the easy ones towards the top. And Salah, there's no surprise that he's best for that. Closely followed by Sadio Mane. Um, so top right would be would be the best. We've got a weird one in Gundogan sitting there, but I think it's a bit misleading because he hasn't played for the last few games. And um, there's only three games that are counting here in the last six, in which he scored in one. But... Um, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. He might continue that when he gets back to uh, back to form. But treat treat that one with a pinch of salt. Uh, the interesting things from this one are Cristiano Ronaldo's falling a little bit flat, and especially Lukaku. So that worries me from a premium standpoint. Um, mm. My question to you, Rob, is if you if you could pick two or maybe three premiums right now, if you were wildcarding, would you change from Ronaldo or Lukaku or? I mean, Salah seems oh, essential, right? Yeah, oh, Salah's just not going anywhere. It's like double anyone else. And I've just said he's probably the best player in the world at the moment, currently. Um, actually, on my fan team team, I have Mane, not Salah. Uh, just for funds, I just play around on that one. And he's my captain. And honestly, that massive little... When I talked earlier about like five... Playing like a 5-3-2 with two budget strikers, like a Jimenez and Tony or Antonio and Tony, something like that. And having like a Salamane Rafinha midfield and a big back five with a decent-ish bench, like a Gallagher or Smith Rowe. Why not? Like Liverpool are way out in front in terms of their attacking prowess and their goals scored. You know, they're six goals more than anyone else. They're they're clearly looking like a really solid side. Haven't lost this so far this season. Why not go for that? Because I, I, I know people argue about captain's points or or because he's he's a couple million, a couple point two or point three, whatever it is, difference between him and Salah, he loses a bit of value. He's eleven point nine, Salah's twelve point eight. But 
when people are looking at the likes of 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 Fernandez at eleven point eight, and maybe like a Kevin De Bruyne as a punt, but why not Mane? Why not do a Mane Salado? Mane's three point one percent owned. Yeah, no, you're not going to captain him, but it's it's about points. If if you and Mane's third right now, so if you're looking at a big midfield three of like Salas and Mane and cheap out elsewhere, then they're, they're, they're killing it at the minute. I don't see why not. I mean, especially as Liverpool are head and shoulders above the rest in terms of the yeah. stats. So they are they are crunching it. But um, yeah, if you... I mean, Salah is arguably a perma-captain choice at the moment. That might change, but his consistency is just outstanding. Like He's only blanked. He's not scored in one Premier League game this season. That was game week two. He scored yep. one goal in every single game other than that. For a captaincy plus option, them, yeah. um, plus plus plenty of assists, but he, he as a captaincy option, he's he's just absolutely um, you know out of this world. And uh, if you if you want to plump on Liverpool as a unit, why not double up with Mane? If you think that they're just going to destroy every single game, I uh, don't see anything wrong with that at all. Uh, Fernandez, like he's he's got some tough fixtures coming up. Lukaku has some poor stats, but good fixtures. Uh, same with Ronaldo as opposed to Fernandez, like some tough fixtures coming up, and he hasn't looked on it recently. So, uh, but that his fate might be tied to that of Man United. So it's an interesting dilemma. De Bruyne is another one to consider, but difficult to fit in. Um, why not double up on Liverpool? Why not? Um, what do you think about Jota at the moment? Um, because I've never been interested in him because. I know I couldn't deal with it. I'm fine with my defenders getting rotated out because they're like five, five million for a defender that gets swapped out for like a 5.5 million midfielder if he doesn't play. For me and, and, and Jota, I've never had him this season. I've no interest and no worry about a 7.5 million midfielder that comes in and out and isn't particularly clinical. I went Simakas over him and you know it seemed to work out for me. Yeah. Um, I still think Firmino is the the number one person in that team down the middle. Um, and yeah, he can come on. But you, you, if I'm spending 7.5 million, I, I want him to play. And yeah. if you can deal with it, if you've got a good bench and you can deal with him not playing, then that's fine. I know I'm sat here with Mason Mount. Yeah, that's why I was laughing. I like, yeah. understand, but that's not because Mason Mount isn't, I think, not in Chelsea's strongest eleven. You know, he's been injured and he's been playing international football. Diogo Jota is not inside Liverpool's strongest eleven, And for 7.5 million, I think he plays... He starts, what, one every five or two every five, maybe? Who knows? Seven point five million, and I, and like I said, I've got Trent, I've got Salah. I would rather go double Liverpool defense, like Van Dyke, for six point five million, and double up on that Liverpool defense because you know they're they're well in the charts and do well defensively, rather than seven point five million for Jota, who it plays one or two every five. It's a really difficult dilemma, isn't it? I think that price that price point at seven point five million is really difficult at the moment. A lot of people going Foden, but the, the two games that he has played, look at his stats. He's there on the left. It hasn't been like set in the world light. He scored a clinical yeah. goal. He got an and he assist. He was lucky. He got a fantasy assist. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so, I mean, Burnley, he took a, a a shot that was fluffed. The defender should have cleared it, and he didn't. And Bernardo Silva captured in. It was Greenwood esque. When I was yeah. complaining about Greenwood earlier on in the season with fortunate goalkeeper errors and and, and Ronaldo getting his goals from spillages and stuff, uh, 
that's it for me and for Foden. There's, apart from Kevin De Bruyne, I'm not interested in, in City's attacking assets. Uh, I'm not interested in Jota. So, uh, yeah, why not double up on it, midfielders if we're talking about here? But I said before, a lot of people say people ignore Vardy and people ignore Son. And that's right. I mean, I've not ignored Son. I'm like his number one fan, right? <laughs> I've been banging that drum uh, all season. But I'll be, I'll hold up my hands and say, Jamie Vardy in my side has never crossed my mind because I've said, I've watched Leicester this season. They were very good against Manchester United. The other seven games have been rubbish. But Jamie Vardy still finds a way to score goals. Yeah, and he's been super oh, consistent in the last four. If he'd gone Vardy over Lukaku, you'd be quids in because Lukaku's got two points well, in every game. He's the best. He's ahead of Antonio. He's the best for. He's on fifty six. Lukaku's on thirty one. But this is the issue. This is the. This is what Vardy does. This is why he's so difficult to pick. It's because you have to pick him with a gut feeling because he never has the numbers to justify the pick. And then once he's scored then his stats improve in on a retrospective basis. And it's, it's, it's just like, so it's, difficult. It's, him and Son are known as the stat busters. Yes, exactly. They but... just get goals and he just gets bonus when he scores goals. Yeah. There's, there, seriously, there's no reason why I, I've gone for Lukaku or anyone's gone Lukaku over Jamie Vardy because he hasn't just done it this year. He does it pretty much every year he got 15 goals last year he got 23 goals the year before he got 18 goals the year before he got 20 goals the year before he got 13 goals the year before he got 24 goals the year before he's done it year in year out and we still sit there and say well his price has gone up a little bit <laughs> he's gone up 0.5 his price has gone up his price has gone up. it's like it doesn't matter like he's 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 been killing it for years yeah you just need to find the purple patches why have i not gone jamie vardy because he, he, he goes for runs of form where he doesn't score and then he gets consistent yeah. patches where he does. So I, I'm st- I, I've definitely analysed this in the past. I'm like, I need to jump on Vardy when he starts scoring, but I never do. And it just seems oh. counterintuitive every single time. But we have a number of these players in the Premier League, like Greenwood, like Foden even, uh, that... They're just clinical. They're, they're brilliant strikers of the ball. They can score from score from anywhere. So it, it's not a bad shout going for these players, but it's just very... You're in the dark, basically. There's no clue about whether they're going to gain form or not. And Foden's got a couple of fantasy returns in the last two. So maybe that's enough form for it to continue. Uh, but the 7.5 midfielder price point is super difficult. Like Mason Mount, uh, I'm not unhappy owning him with the fixtures ahead. Uh, but the likes of Jota, Foden, Grealish, I, w- I would have gone Grealish instead of Mount. And he's arguably a worse option than Mason Mount going forward. So it's it's an absolute minefield, I think, at the moment. Really, really difficult. Uh, I think Rafinha is a decent option, but I think quite a lot of people already already have Rafinha. So he's like a, a template. Uh, template player so uh it's definitely an interesting he's, he's one under 20 percent, so it's not it's more like twitter template than general template that's you know, under 20 percent is not a not a bad a bad return for you there so yeah exactly i mean owner. alexander arnold's only 23 uh, percent. i can't believe that he's he's sunk to that that level but it, it's, it'll be great when he hauls and and everyone i, I can't believe luke shaw's gone from like a 50 percent owned player to like a 25% old player and he's lost 0.1 million in value. Yeah, that's weird. It must have been like... Was he over 50%? Wasn't he the most owned player at the start of the season? Now he's 
25.9% and he's dropped 0.1. It must be like a like a gradual bleed every single game week of of transfers out and which maybe is, which is ironic because that's what it feels like owning him. <laughs> yeah, it does actually. Um <laughs> It's a pity because he had a brilliant end to the last season. He had a great Euro campaign, and um, and then he yeah. plays for Manchester United. <laughs> you realise defensively, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a never-ending nightmare. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, a couple of other players to mention. We've got Jimenez up there. Lots of big attempts compared to small attempts. We've got Tony and Mbomo or Mbomo or however you pronounce it. A lot of grief in the chat for the pronunciation. Uh, (laughs) And they type it out like it helps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's just interesting ones. We've got Tielemans there in Townsend and they just seem counterintuitive. I can't bring myself to bring a player like that. I just want to just do one brief thing about Townsend, right? And why I think Everton... And DCL could be right back on the radar. So Everton are well out in front for most crosses. And Townsend is the most crosser. The most right? crosser. I love it. The, the crossiest player. <laughs> the man of the cross is Townsend. And the team of crosses, the crossers, are Everton. So I just, just wanted to point out that, you know, Calvert-Lewin was a great asset at the start of the season, just like he was at the start of last season. He's been said that he's he's still not quite there yet. He's still not um, ready to return for Everton. And he's 8 million. So if you're looking to save money and you don't want it, they've got Watford, Wolves and Tottenham. So if he was available for that, it would have been fantastic. Because if you've got the most crossing player in Townsend for the most crossing team in Everton sticking the ball on who usually is top of the charts for best aerial, which is Dominic Carver-Lewin, that's just like a match made in heaven. I said, right at the start of the season, I said pre-season, that's how Rafa works, right? Yeah. I don't know if you remember when I said about Everton crossing the ball and uh, a lot, and Carver-Lewin is the best in the air, that's, that's perfect. I remember, um, we, I remember us talking about this um, a few when I games mentioned about ago. the tactics. Yeah. yeah. But I, um, I'm just wondering, I was just looking on my phone, like when when Calvert-Lewin is expected back and it's still an unknown, unknown return. Unknown, yeah. yeah, it's a real shame. But if they can, and, and then unfortunately it's Spurs and City, Brentford and Liverpool. So that run isn't great. So this is maybe something for the future when Calvert-Lewin's back, unless he manages to get back for like Wolves and Spurs. But I, just, just a little caveat, he, Towns is on the list. A lot of people have actually picked him up because he's one of the highest scoring midfielders. He's 5.7 million, he's 10% owned. But if you've got a person who crosses it a lot and a team that crosses it a lot, the missing link for Everton, I think, is Calvert-Lewin, who yeah. is usually the best in the air. Um, so uh, that is just something I wanted to, to point out. If yeah, well, we'll keep our eyes out for Calvert-Lewin's return. And I'll definitely be uh, considering him uh, as part of a front three when he's back. But Because uh, it all makes sense, as you say, in terms of a crossing. Um the last thing I want to discuss on this chart is Antonio here. And there's there's going to be a, a dilemma ahead of us because his stats are insane for his price. Like very, very decent. Um, you know, elite compared to Salah, Mane, Fernandez. But his fixtures are getting tough. Um, and he's looked, you know, when I've watched the game, I watched a little bit of West Ham Everton at the weekend. He just looked a little bit sluggish. I think his stats yeah. were fairly decent still. But... Can we see him waning a little bit and the move to a Tony 
or or similar be on the cards because i think that's what i'm edging towards but i'm not sure whether it will come back to bite me considering his stats are so good i asked you last week when i said a lot of people are thinking of taking antonio on the wild card and straight away you were like no and i was yeah. with you i said no i'm not looking at it so you a bit more shaken because it's not the first time they've he's looked a bit laggy he looked a bit laggy against southampton and got sent off um and and then last game week, game week seven, they looked West Ham as a whole looked laggy uh, against Brentford, and then they looked laggy again. I mean, they've, they've got to got the three points, so I mean, fair play to them. But Antonio was making not the best decisions. I don't think he, that he looked particularly great. Um, it all depends on people's setups. I mean, if you got Antonio at eight million down to a four point four million, and you want to splash the cash elsewhere, you could do that. Um, but if you need to go up to Lukaku or move around or down to Tony, for example, what are we keeping hold of Antonio for? They've got Spurs. Spurs concede goals, not great defensively. Then they've got Villa and Liverpool, Wolves. So game week 11, 12, 13, they've got the three best defensive teams. And then City after that as well. So that, so. Yeah, that, and then Brighton. Sorry, the, the best defensive teams in terms of stats, big chances conceded and all the charts that you've done. Game week 11, Liverpool, 12, Wolves, 13, City, 14, Brighton, 15, Chelsea. They are literally the best statistic and goals conceded teams in the Premier League. Yeah, it's it's worrying for Antonio owners. It's a bit so of from a... from game week 11, why would I not consider switching him or use him to get that money to bring in Son or jump up to Kane? Yeah, or even a switch to Tony for me. Like that's or what a I'm switch considering. To Tony if you don't have him already, because their fixtures are good from ten. But wait a week on Brentford, and why not? They, he plays the best five teams defensively or six teams in a row. It's interesting. What's his ownership? Is it still sky high? Forty-five point eight percent. So it's just one of them. Oh, where if you don't have him in his scores, you're going to tumble down the the, the rank. It's tough, isn't it? I think Ben Rama's a sell from my perspective if you still own him, but Antonio probably gets one or two more games for me to see if he can rectify some form. Um, we'll have to see. It's going to be a bit of a tough sell, let's just say that, but I, I think it's probably an optimal move maybe to move to Tony because it, because of the fixtures. I'm not sure I can go into that Brentford run of three without owning a Brentford player. Mm. And um, it would be between Mount or Antonio. And just just saying that makes makes it sound silly. Like, ob- yeah. clearly Mount would be the one yeah. that goes. But it's it's a case of, for- case of form versus fixture. But Antonio doesn't even have any form. So it's a bit of a strange one. But uh, yeah. we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'll, I'll cross the bridge when I come to it. It might be next week. But he definitely gets Tottenham for me before any changes all right let's move to uh have a look at how you're set up for game week nine this is your bus team we've got a 4-4-2 captain salah we can argue about that in a minute <laughs> i don't know why i'm arguing because it's a perfectly legitimate option um the thing i want to argue with you most about is tony bench uh, i know and... i know i haven't it's a it's a bus team it's a bus team obviously it could it could change uh but i'm looking at it and i've People straight away will argue Gallagher. Um, Tony in, Gallagher out. Uh, but I've said it a load of times before that midfielders just get more points when they score goals and get assists and get bonus and clean sheet points. And I know T- Tony's got Leicester and Leicester concede goals. Uh, they've not looked fantastic at the back, but Leicester looked really good against United. 
and Tony's not getting the points. I'm going to see how Gallagher does against Arsenal. Uh, but if if he if Gallagher's got Newcastle at home, and Tony has got Leicester, why why am I going to go Tony over Gallagher? It's a new well. It's Who an interesting one. You, I mean, Chris has got Norwich, so for me, that's a if he plays, that's a clean sheet. It's it's a, not a so much. Potential. It's not so much about the dilemma about which player to pick. It's how you set your team up, which is you've got some decent players in defence. By all that, that also means you've got plenty of cash over to spend on another really decent player who you're just benching. So there's a lot of money on your bench, and this is why I don't like four or five at the back. And I know you do, so I respect that. Point three, but also just remember that. Cancelo might get rotated out this game week. Christensen might get rotated out. So I want that strength because, I mean, what other chances do you think, out of 100%, do you think my 11 players start? Oh, uh, I, I don't know, but we we don't have exactly, control. Neither do I. That's why Tony's sat there on the bench. But we don't have control of that. You need, it's your job to put the best starting 11 out there and assume that they all play. Uh, and the problem is that you're going to, on normal game weeks where we don't have crazy international breaks, that most of your 11 are going to play, if not all of them most game weeks. So you're going to have a lot, of, a lot of points sat on your bench occasionally, and that sort of just makes me angry. So <laughs> I'd rather have him in my squad and bring them in. So, so Tony, when I brought him in, I knew sometimes I'd bench him against Leicester, but then in the future when Tony's playing against Norwich, then the likes of Gallagher drops down to the bench. You know, I'm playing the fixtures in that situation. Yeah, it's just that. It's I know that what you mean, but all I can do is say I say Tony plays and I drop Gallagher down by 1.3 million. So I've got 0.8 million in the bank. But what else am I going to do with my team? Yeah, I'd have I... to ri- I'd have to rip it up like Lukaku down to someone and spread the money that way, or use that egg. Because let's just say I go Tony down to a four something million. Mount can only go up to like a nine million midfielder. I don't want any midfielders that are around nine million. You could, yeah, I, I guess so. You need you need to find a million somewhere else. But if you wanted yeah. to get Son in from game week twelve, you could easily do Diaz down to a four million, Mount up to a whatever, uh, Mount up to Son and find the million elsewhere. No, no, no I'll get rid. I I'll get rid of Matt or Lukaku before I get rid of any of my defenders. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, you've got the flexibility, you've got the good bench, but I'm not sure that necessarily means you've got the best starting eleven you can have, and that's an interesting thing. You've got a really good squad management, but your starting eleven's going to suffer occasionally, and that just that just troubles me a little bit. There's, there's that saying: always a play, always play the attacking player. If you've got a dilemma about whether to play the defensive player. Or an attacker. But, but that's the thing. I, I don't have a dial. I think Man City going to Brighton is a clean sheet as well. But then my only dilemma is, do I drop, do I drop Trent over Tony? <laughs> and then I've got a 7.5 million player sat on my bench instead of a yeah. 6.3. It's just my perspective. And I'm sure it's many people have different uh, perspectives to mine. So that's, that's completely Mount, fair. That's the thing, right? Because Mount's the one who, for me, is the worst one in that side. But he's got Norwich. I can't drop him for that. I'm sure he's going to be back. It's a, he's a nightmare. I, reg- he's a nightmare. I just made that transfer. Yeah. I made that. I wish I didn't. It's, um, I it's wish a I still one. had son. I miss him so much. <laughs>
It amounts a really be. difficult one. I'm just really hoping that Tuchel just starts playing if he, if him. If he plays, if he starts, he's such a good option. Especially with this run of fixtures. I, I'm just hoping that they change it up because they need to be a little bit more attacking, a little bit more fluid, feed the ball to Lukaku, who is a flat-track bully. Let's just hope that that happens because the, the formation they played against Brentford was not fluid and they did not create many chances. Lukaku no. didn't really have much of a sniff. Five shots in the box total, something like that? Because I know the manager afterwards was you know, really pleased and saying, oh, we limited Chelsea to such a low amount of chances. Yeah, something like that. I mean, great. regardless of the numbers, if you just watch the entire game, like as a, you know, a Lukaku owner, I was getting pretty frustrated watching Chelsea trying to attack. It just, it was a yeah. bit... I was the same the week before when they were against uh, Southampton. Just nothing there. Let's talk about your captaincy shout. Um, this is a, well, a de- well, do you want to do your team and then we can okay, argue okay, okay. With our yeah, that, that's absolutely fine. Let, let's move on to my team. Um, I'll let me rip your team and then we'll talk about our captaincy. We'll do that. <laughs> a much I'm more sensible three-four-three three compared to what you bench Livermento six yes. points every week. This is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> he's not gonna have six points every week. <laughs> Goodness me, you choked me up. I think that you've got Burnley at home. You're not playing Libramento. This is madness. No, oh, I don't know. I mean, Saints have been pretty solid at the back. It has to be said. But I mean, you know, it's Libramento is a decent first sub option. He, yeah, you know, he, he is. I'm just playing with you. Yeah, you are playing with me. But Ben White drops to second bench option. I mean, either I've got strength and depth, so I'm like, oh, it is what it is. But three four three seems a little bit more uh, natural to me, and. Um, We've got Saka in there. We've got I've arguably the three best defenders after I transfer in Chilwell um, from Semedo. I haven't made that transfer yet, by the way. Um, I just wanted to put it in so it looks nice. But I, it might be... <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do that next week. I'm just going to send you a team sheet that's got San, Mane, Salah, De Bruyne. I'm going to say, I haven't got this team yet, but I mean, it looks nice. <laughs> It's only one player. That, like This is yeah, le- legitimately good. probably my transfer. I might go Reese James. Probably will go Chilwell. Uh, we'll have to see. But I'm pretty happy with those back three. I think we, what we yeah. saw from the defender chart looks pretty strong. Um, Mason Mount's the weakness. Antonio, decent stats, poor form. Saka, we'll see what he does tonight, but not sure about him either. Um, so there's plenty of worries here, but I think on paper it looks like a fairly decent team. Let's have a little captaincy argument. I've gone Lukaku against Norwich. That's a fixture choice. You've, you're going to Salah at Man United. That's a form choice. So it's a classic form versus fixtures. And I think a lot of people in the community, a lot of content creators will have the same argument this week. Do you go form or do you go fixtures? Why are you going Salah? And it's pretty obvious, but say it anyway. <laughs> Best player in the world, best FPL asset so far. He's got double the points for everyone else. He plays for the most attacking team, who scored the most amount of goals, who statistically are the best in terms of expected goals. Like, and I trust him, and I've and I've captained Lukaku. I'll tell, I'll say this to everyone now, right? Everyone, if you captained Salah every single game week in the first eight games, you you'd have more points. of the people watching, if they just captain Salah every single game week and they didn't go with fixtures, they saw that he was on fire, they saw Liverpool playing well, they saw his form. I know it's easy to look back. I'm not trying to do it in hindsight, but if we just captain Salah every single week, you'd have more points. 
And, and I've trusted Lukaku before, and I've trusted Ronaldo before with captaincy. We've talked about Chelsea's lack of attack. I listed off in binary language the, the amount of goals that that position in a two-Chelsea side has scored. He's not scored in four games. I'm, and ownership for me comes into it a little bit. So Salah is 64% owned. His effective ownership is going to be higher than 100, no matter what. So he's going to work against me, right? Lukaku is 36.5% owned. I think a lot of people are going to capture him, but I think if I can keep that under, because my rank is like a million, even though I'm only 22 points behind you, either, I still think his effective ownership for my rank is going to be lower than 100. So I can be happy captain in Salah, who I think is the best player. But Lukaku scores a goal or gets 20 points or whatever, I still get those points. Yeah. You know, Salah's proven it by getting a double-digit haul against Man City and against Palace and against Chelsea. He's done it against the big teams. United, we know concede goals. We know that they're weak at the back. And Salah's on penalties. Lukaku, he's done nothing to... You've got to trust your player you give the armband to, right? Yeah, it's agreed. not just about It's not just about a fixture. Lukaku has shown me absolutely nothing to make me trust him earning me double points this game week. And if yeah. he does, if he goes off and gets 10 points or 12 points, whatever, I still get those points. But I still think Mo Salah will do something every single game. And I know he's got Norwich. And look, and I've said this before, and people will just scream at me for it. Why would this maybe not be the game Lukaku gets a rest? He no, came God, back no. Oh, don't don't even just, start. Just hear me out. Don't hear even me out, right? start. He comes back from Belgium with muscle fatigue. He plays against Brentford. He gets benched against Brentford in the, what was it, 76th minute. He's got Champions League this week. If there was one single game, if I'm the, if I'm the manager of Chelsea and I need to look after Lukaku, why would I not bench him at home to Norwich, who are by far and large the worst team in the Premier League right now? I mean, you just said and it. I'm not saying he's going to bench him. I'm not saying that he's definitely going to be benched. Just think of it from a managerial point of view, that you've got to protect your big star striker, your spearhead of the attack, the main man up front that you spent $100 million on. If there was ever a game to give him a break, it would be against the easiest one where you can trust someone else to go and play up front. I get it, I get it, I get it. There's there's some logic to it, but I mean, I don't think any of us are actually expecting that to happen. And I mean, the man needs a goal. I mean, he hasn't scored in four Premier League games, maybe even more than that, I'm not sure. But I mean, you've just said it. It's the easiest fixture of the season. New Norwich at home. If you can't captain your premium player in the easiest fixture of the year, then why do you even own him? Yeah, like, I, don't worry. I've asked myself this question. Why have I got Lukaku? And I said it when he signed. I never truly believed that he was the main striker I really wanted in my side because of the way Chelsea play. And I, and I, and I didn't back myself. And I haven't backed myself with a big five at the back. And it's my mistake by letting other things influence me. If I was to wildcard right now, Lukaku, even though he's got Norwich, Lukaku wouldn't be in my side. 
Yeah. I'd have double Chelsea defence and probably Mount still because Mount offers me value at 7.4 million. You're right. If I'm not captaining a player who's worth 11.7 million, why have I got him in my side? Which is an excellent question. Now, Mane, I talked earlier about having Mane in my side for 11.9 million, but he does offer me those points. I trust Mane. I wouldn't captain him over Salah. I'd probably still go for Salah. But if Mane's still getting me the points and I can understand it, Lukaku's done nothing. Yeah, I completely Absolutely agree. Nothing, and and I know you're telling he's against the worst team. I, I I do completely agree that it's the biggest fixture game that he can have. You can't get a nicer fixture than Norwich at home. But it's rotatable. It's early subable for him if he does start, and it's it's your one decision a week where your guy gets double the points. You got to trust him. And he's not earned my trust. Okay, let's put it this it's way. I, I think this this is why it's such a poignant argument this week is because it's a really it sometimes it's a form versus fixtures, but it's not like that clear cut. But this mm-hmm. is a really really big swing. We've got Lukaku who have, hasn't got any attacking returns in the last four against the worst team in the league, and then we've got Salah who's got endless attacking returns against Man United who are you know perceivably decent a decent side even though they've been struggling uh you know occasionally defensively which probably maybe does swing it towards Salah but would you have the same dilemma if Salah was playing City uh I'm not sure it makes that much of a difference considering what Salah did to City a couple of game weeks ago um Salah if has Salah pre- was against City away if Salah was against City away I probably would have that would be more difficult. I'd have to consider it more than I've considered this. But just, I just want to ask you as well about United's defence, right? If I told you Arsenal, would you captain Salah against Arsenal? Oh, it depends what who the other players in my side were. But yes, I mean, I think Arsenal was probably an easier fixture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you yeah. captained Salah they against most teams. the same amount of goals as Manchester United. Yeah, Ten. yeah, absolutely. And we saw from from the defensive chart earlier how Man United were struggling along with Chelsea and, um, you know, plenty of other weaklings in the, the, the defensive line. So I think Salah's a perfectly reasonable captain shout. I just, I, I'm not sure why I own a player if I can't captain him yeah. at home in the easiest fixture in the entire season. But so you're not worried about effective ownership because I know you're taking a bigger risk by not captaining Salah because his effective ownership will bite you more than Lukaku's will bite me. Yeah, it's definitely a sword. Are not worried that you're making a bigger risk that if Salah gets 10 points and Lukaku gets 12, you win, right? Like you are you are on top by a couple of points. But that that's the, the risk that you're going to play. Yeah, it's definitely a sword versus a a shield pick. And I think the Salah is the shield, Lukaku is the sword because of his lower ownership. Um, But the the thing that probably swings it for me is that if you just ignore what's happened in the previous games and just treat these games in isolation just by your perceived view of these players... The Man United fixture, we've talked about this before earlier in the video, is a derby game and sort of the stats can go out the window. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Maybe Man United, the event, the players start going, this is a big occasion. I need to really put my, um, you know, you know, I need to need to put in a good, good shift. And maybe Liverpool struggle a little bit more than they would usually would. Whereas Lukaku gets the worst side in the league should score a couple of goals, in my opinion. 
So it, it's an interesting one. I don't think there's any clear-cut decision. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. It's just interesting that we're taking different approaches here. And um, yeah, it's Lukaku for me. But you, you can't. But the the issue, I've, the only issue I have with that Ted is like. You can't just take it in isolation. You can't like in the past. I've been a big fixtures person over form, and that's why it's not successful for me. And I think I'm wrong. I think I'm leaning towards the form. Like, I can't just take it in isolation because it's not like Lukaku's having chances and wasting it. If Mount plays, I'll feel a bit more excited. Every time I see like Werner on that starting lineup, I just think, oh, this is going to be just horrible for Lukaku, and it's proven to be the case. You know, when you've got if if Mount and Havertz play behind Lukaku, I'm more excited. I believe in him more. If it if it's Werner with Lukaku, I'm thinking, ah, oh, this I'm trusting Timo Werner to try and set up Lukaku here, or vice versa. And it's just a, a night. I mean, Lukaku dropped it down to Werner against Brentford, and he skied it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Salah, I trust everyone around him. He's going to lay it off to Mane. He's going to lay it off to Firmino. He, Trent's going to pull it back to Salah. I trust everyone around him. It, it comes down for me for, for trust as well. I get as it. Form. You make a really convincing argument, hundred percent. And you know, as a as a Liverpool fan, I completely agree. Like, uh, I I think you can definitely trust him. Like, even more so this year, he's being even more consistent than he usually is. So it is a really difficult one. I'm not sure whether I'll move from one to the other, but I mean, just my gut says Lukaku just because of the fixture. Um, but but who knows at the end of the day? You you said you can't treat it in isolation, but that is literally what captaincy is. That is why it's the most difficult thing. That's the most difficult decision in FPL to get captaincy right every week because it's not like you're picking a player for the next six. You're picking your captain for one game. It's like you're at the bookies trying to get, you know, put put an outcome on one single match. We all know how difficult that is. It's no clear-cut opportunity, which is why in FPL, a lot of the best managers get a consistently good rank every week because it's a, sorry, every season because it's a long-term game. Captaincy is not a long-term game, which is why it's a difficult decision. So I don't think, from what you were saying, I think you're really convincing about the Salah argument. I think plenty of people, plenty of sensible managers will go Salah captain. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think just uh, I've said to myself at the start of the season that I'll captain a premium asset at home, at home yeah. a really good fixture. I, and just I, not I, think I've about. I've tried it. that, and that's the thing. I, my captaincy blanks have come when I've done it the way that you're doing it now, because I've backed Lukaku already this season, and I've backed Luka- uh, uh, I've backed Ronaldo as well this season with the captaincy. Yeah, and both of them let me down, and Salah has just not. He's blanked once all season. It's a really difficult dilemma, really difficult dilemma. But I mean, this is why we like FPL. This is why it's difficult. We're going to get decisions right. We're going to get it wrong, mostly wrong for me this season. But <laughs> surely that's about to change. Who knows? Um, I think we'll leave it there. That was a good discussion, mate. Um, hopefully, your Salah captain works works out. Um, and you just know that, like Salah and Lukaku is going to blank, and it's going to be like a Cancelo <laughs> twenty point haul or. Or Antonio comes back and bangs a twenty pointer or something. It's, or it, you just know that's what it's, it's been like. Or Livermento with a twenty pointer and we've got him sat <laughs> first and second bench. It's, that's just the like, outcome though. Like our job is to put the best team out there in a starting eleven on paper yeah. and just see what happens because we're never going to get everything right. Um, you know that's some consolation anyway. 
Um, but yeah, thanks for everyone for joining us in the chat, um, keeping us company through that discussion. We've got, got through plenty of content. Hopefully it was useful to you and hopefully you gained some um, happiness out of our poor ranks <laughs> and our red arrows, which hopefully... Oh, early. This is oh, not... Yeah. I'm usually four point summit million by now and then the climb <laughs> happens to almost 100k. That's That's my thing. Yeah, fingers oh, crossed this, for this some. Nosebleed for me right now. We've both got two players left tonight. Uh, two Arsenal for me, yeah. two Palace for you. So hopefully those red arrows turn into green, and we can see each other next week with some some green arrows instead. But uh, for now, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Rob, for joining me, and best of luck for Pleasure. game week nine, mate. Yeah, you too. Well, okay. less luck than me, but yeah. Uh, easy. I was being nice. <laughs> <laughs> I need to come back. <laughs> 